stopped wasn't it? 3 p.m. Uh, welcome to the workshop, young people's uh, 25 and under. Uh, my name is Ori, and I'm uh, from Los Angeles, and I'm a compulsive reader and the speaker for this session. Hey, how's it going? Hello, hello. Um, the workshop is being taped. Okay. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, a speaker, um, ask it basket, well, we can ask questions, um, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper, well, we'll skip that. Uh, the reading is from Voices of Recovery, page oh, March 27th. Let's go ahead and Black and white thinking was one way I made my life unmanageable. Seeing the world in extremes kept me from people and from myself. Most of all, it kept me from having an intimate relationship with my higher power. Abstinence, page 106. I've spent most of my life looking at myself and everyone else with a black or white checklist. I allowed no gray areas, especially for myself. The greatest fear was that others would see my large blacklist and realize that or realize what I what a failure I was. This kept me from being close to others. I went out of my way to be friendly but ran from attachment and closeness because I feared the rejection that would surely follow. In OA, I realized that I am not the only one who is imperfect. OA members, friends outside of OA and God especially especially God, accept me as I am. In God I have a loving and forgiving teacher who also guides me to the better way. This this has led me out of the black hole of fear and toward the bright white light. Uh, thank you, Owe. Okay. Okay, I will now speak for uh, 25 minutes. All right. Here we go. Um, it's pretty interesting that was read. I mean, that that... that that was selected for me because I'm going through a a period in my life where uh, black and white thinking uh, is definitely causing chaos in my life. Um, you know, I wish you know I, I wish program was as clear cut as black and white, but it isn't sometimes. Um, and right now uh, in my life, I needed to hear that. Um, because I like to, if I don't follow it perfectly, if I don't follow it exactly the way it is, um, you know, I think less of myself. If I don't do everything the way it's supposed to be done, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not doing it right at all. And um, I needed to hear that. Um, I've been in program for about uh, five years now um, with different lengths of abstinence. Today I'm abstinent. Um, with a... I used to be 350 pounds. Today I'm under 230. Um, that's the miracle of this program. Uh, that's the miracle of God. Um, the way I used to eat is not necessarily the way I eat today. The way I look at life is different today. And that's the result of the 12 steps. That's the result of that book. Um, that's the result of this fellowship that we have. And I feel very fortunate to be a part of this fellowship. You know, a lot of people will say, Oh, you're lucky to get it so early. You're lucky to get it so early. And, um, you know, because of my ego, I used to look at them, oh, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. It's a curse, it's a curse. Um, but today, I see that the bar was risen for me. 
Uh, my mother, she dragged me in the program at the early age of 13. And um, that's when the seed was planted. That's when the steps were planted. Even though um, I didn't consciously understand everything that was going on in the meetings, I was there with her and I understood when she explained certain things, it was putting me right then. Um, I had to go through a period where I had to find my truth. So I had to find I had to I had to find that OA was right for me. Um, and hello, hello. You know, and uh, like I said, at, at 13, you know, you're a little kid. I, I was more I was more focused on being with my mom. And um, you know, I left, came back at 16. And, uh, you know, I, I became the OA celebrity because I was 16. I was the youngest. Everybody was like, oh, you're, you know, you're amazing. You're amazing, this and that and the rather. And I let that go to my head. And it's true what the book says. It's, it's, in A12 and 12, it says that um, that our instincts coupled with our thinking seem to, uh, or they, they work to bolster egotism. They make you, uh, you know, it basically... You know, I started thinking I was the the man around town in OA. You know, I knew all the answers. Um, but uh, quickly I was slapped, you know. And I had to uh, go through another experience where it was proven to me that uh, I am a compulsive leader. I came back at 20. And at 20, I was 350 pounds. And uh, 350 pounds is not a fun place to be in life. It really isn't. Not just because of the physical weight, but also because of my thinking. Um, there were times, well, at the height of my uh, disease, um, I would often go through several drive throughs and pretend to be ordering food for other people. Um, I would then take all this massive amounts of food for, like, a family, take it home, and I would go home and turn off all the lights and watch movies while I was eating. This is the way I lived. And this wasn't one day out of the month, one day out of, you know, one day out of the year I did this. This was... It became. It, it started to get to the point where it was every single day, every single day, and that is insanity. In my head, I knew that uh, it was dangerous to be 350 pounds. It was dangerous to eat like I was, um, but that didn't mean anything. That didn't mean anything. I continued to do it. I continued to eat, um, and that is insane. And I believe today that I do have a disease. And my disease is definitely cunning and baffling, and I have to do certain things in order to uh, get relief. Um, there are certain things I have to follow. I have to follow, the, I have to follow every step. I have to bring every step into my affairs, and the steps that I'm talking about are the 12 steps of recovery outlined in the big book. That's where our answer is. That's where the solution is. Um, and I didn't develop this solution. I'm glad I didn't because I had other solutions that didn't work. I needed something else outside of me. And by the grace of God, I was, I was given the opportunity to encounter the steps at an early age. Um, and it saved my life. Because at one time, um, when I came back at like 1920, uh, I wanted to die. I asked God to take my life because I didn't have the cojones to do it myself. Um, I didn't have enough courage to do it myself. And I remember saying that prayer. I remember the prayer. I said, God, please take my life. I want to die. Um, and that was that 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 was the worst point of my life. That was the worst point of my life. Um, and it's it's, it's incredible because I'm learning that God works differently than we work. Um, you know, instead of taking my life, God gave me 
a new life, gave me opportunity for new life through the steps. And the reason I say a new life through the steps is because the steps revolutionize your, revolutionize the way you think, and as a result, the way you conduct yourself in life. Um, it's a miracle to have steps, you know. And um, I'm going through a period in my life where I'm being reminded how important it is to continue in the work, um, to continue in the spiritual outline that's been provided. Um, you know, right now life is good. Life is really good for me. Um, you know, I'm out. On a, I'm I'm in my own spot now. I'm a I'm a man now today. You know, I'm a man. I'm 24 years old. I have my own spot. You know, my own house. Um, I'm, you know, in the working class now, and um, all responsibilities fall on me. You know, I don't I don't. My dad. I moved away from my dad. I, everything is on me today. And um, these steps are these steps are helping me get through. Um, I'm not out there causing too much chaos with people, not today. Um, the steps kind of saved me in that area. Um, but I don't know how it would be. I don't know if, even if I would be at this point if I was still 350. I don't know. I don't know. All I can, all I can say is today, where I'm at today is a good life. And, you know, it's so good that, uh, you know, I went through a little period where it was like, oh, I, I can slack up on my work. You know, I don't have to do the spiritual work. You know, I don't have to do as much, you know. But what does the book tell me? We can't rest upon our, we can't rest upon our laurels. If I fail to enlarge and perfect my spiritual life, I will surely go back to you. That's what the book says. Simple as that. And it's true. It's true. I'm a hard head. You know, I have a hard head. And, um, you know, I get shown that periodically, you know, when my meals start to increase, you know. It's like, hold up, you know. I haven't had cereal in years, but now I'm thinking like, oh, I can eat cereal. Whoa, whoa. That's dangerous. It's dangerous for me. Um, no matter what my age is, I'm a compulsive over here. And I try my hardest to run from that. Oh, I'm 24, you know, I'm doing produ production now. I'm having my own album. I'm late night doing things, doing music. You know, I got friends and everything. I'm doing, a, you know, I'm doing everything. You know, going out to the parties, chilling with people, blah, 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 blah. But I'm still a compulsive overeater. And that doesn't mean I, get to con I don't get to conduct myself like other people. I mean, you know, I'm not normal. I have a disease. And um, because of my disease, I have to conduct myself in a certain way. Uh, my friends, hey, they don't understand it. They don't have to. They don't have to. I have to understand it. I have to have knowledge of my condition. That's all. Not only do I have knowledge of my condition, I have knowledge of the solution for the condition as well. That's the hardest thing. You know, that's the hardest thing for me at 24. You know, that's the hardest thing for me to uh, remember that I am a compulsive overeater. My age, my color, my profession, none of that even matters. I'm a compulsive leader, and as a result, uh, I mean, because I'm a compulsive leader, I have to conduct myself in a certain manner, and that's it. And, and you know, I've, I've fought with that a long time. You know, some days are easier than others. You know, I'll go, I'll go periods where it's just like, you know what, I'm in complete surrender. It's just like, you know, it's no thing. And then things start getting good, man, and it's just like, oh, you know. Girls start to talk to you a little bit, you know, it's just like, hey, hey, you know, you kind of tend to forget about compulsive overeating. Yeah, yeah, I'm the coolest guy in the world now, you know. <laughs> Believe me, I got more step work to do. 
you know, coming from 350 pounds where, you know, people used to tease and laugh at me to a place of where, oh, you're so cute and handsome feeling on my beard. That's a little bit different. You know, so like, you know. How many minutes do I have, man? 25 minutes. You've done 10 so far. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's let's continue on there. Let's continue on. You know, I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful that I've been given the opportunity. Again, I, I keep saying it. And, you know, I went through a period where I tried to figure it all out in my head. I tried to develop, but I thought I knew everything. I thought I had the program, you know, down pat. You know, I used to say all kind of things, you know, about the podium. And, you know, I used to, I, I believe my own press releases, you know, so to speak. I thought I was the man, you know, because, uh, you know, people were like, oh, or, you know, you're, you're this or this and that and the other, you know. And today it's like, you know, I'm so humbled by this disease. Not only that, but I'm humbled by this program. You know, that's what the steps do. Um, they destroy self-centeredness. That is what the purpose of the steps are. They destroy self-centeredness um, so that you can get the opportunity where God comes in and does for you what you can't do for yourself. And um, self-centeredness, it, it talks about self-centeredness and self-sufficiency in the A12 and 12. It talks about how, you know, that is the juggernaut that can kill us. Self-sufficiency, thinking we can do this on our own, thinking that we are the end all, thinking that this, you know, that we can control this. Um, and today I realized that, you know what, not only can I, I, I can't, I'm powerless over my food. I'm powerless over this life. You know, I'm powerless over life. Now, does that mean I just sit back and do nothing? No. What it means is that I get the opportunity to be in action. I get the opportunity to act as the book would have me. I, I get to act in accordance to the principles in the big book. And as a result of doing that, God comes in and provides direction and guidance on how to live. And that's what I need. Um, because in the food, you know, not only not only when I'm in the food, I have a, a, a serious issue with the food, but also when I'm in the food, I have a serious issue with life. The first step talks about powerless over food, and it talks about also that my life was unmanageable. My life was unmanageable. And without this program, I cannot manage life. I can't do life. I can't do it. It's hard to do it without this program. Um, and I've tried it. I've tried to. I've tried to do. I've tried to do like without the programming with it. And it's more effective just to go ahead and do what you got to do. It's more effective just to go ahead and call your sponsor and you know check in with people. It's more effective just to go ahead and do your prayer. It's more effective just to go ahead and do it. And that's where I'm at today, asking God to just help me do this without a without a fight. Without a fight. I'm you know yeah I'm young right now, but the way I look at it is. Yeah, I could keep on fighting this for years and years, but I don't want to do that. I just want to make this a part of my normal routine and go about my business. You know, that's 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 where I'm get, trying to get to today. Is every day, one one day at a time, just do it. Just do it. Just like I do all uh, brushing my teeth, just like I comb my hair, just like I iron clothes. Hey, this is just something I have to do. And I think that's true maturity. I think that's growing up. Realizing that this is the way you are, this is what you have to do, this is what Ori has to do in order to live, and just go about it. And um, I have many examples. My spiritual advisors are proof that when you do that, life just goes a lot smoother. No, that doesn't mean that everything becomes Disneyland and everything's happy all the time. What it means is that you become more effective. 
what it means is that you become efficient. You know, what it means is that when you do encounter hurdles, you get through those things gracefully and abstinently. You don't have to return to your old habits. It means that you can come out and grow. You know, that, that's, that's, that's what I want. The book also talks about how this program works for all. My, it talks about how it will work for all problems, not just some of them, all problems. You know, and that, that right there hits me. You know, every time I read that, when I'm working with someone, every time I read that, all my problems, it's like the solution is right there for all of them, not just the, not just the food, for all of it. You know, I have multiple issues in my life. And by the grace of God, by the grace of this program, the more I trust in the work and the more I do the work, the more I run those things through the work. And the work I'm talking about, of course, is the steps um, and those principles. It's like things get resolved. Things get resolved. And, um, you, know, come, you know, coming out of 350, I had a... Um, I had a lot of fears, I had a lot of insecurities, I had a lot of everything, a lot of resentments, a lot of everything. You know, things are just plaguing my life. Things are just assassinating my character. You know, today, there's still, some of them are still there, you know. <laughs> I'm not white as snow. <laughs> um, but life today is vastly superior than it was back in the past. Today I can actually deal, I can actually walk around and uh, kind of, you know, take myself through life uh, as a normal man, you know. Little do they know I have a program recovery in my back pocket at all times. That's why I look at it. Um, I'm sorry if I sound dry right now, but, uh, you know, this is kind of impromptu thing. Um, what else can I talk about? You know, let's just open the floor up for questions right now. I'm, I'm done. I'm spent. All right. Thank you. How many minutes was that, by the way? How many minutes was that, by the way? Oh, that was a marathon run right there. Let's just just ask questions. I mean, let's go with that. Anybody got any questions? I mean, question. We go questions and then do sharing. Um, it says here we will now have ten minutes of questions. Um, since there's few people here, there's no need for an ask it basket. So. All right. Hey, good.
Yeah, because I'm 25 and under. Um, I guess when I get 26, I'm no longer a young person. But um, I, I think when, me personally, I believe that when they say young person's emphasis or young person, yeah, well, young person's emphasis meeting, I think that it, it will be more appropriate to encompass in, in, everyone who has experience with being young and not only encountering the problem, but also dealing with the solution, and that's the steps. So you can be 30 years old, in my opinion, and still come to a young person's emphasis meeting because it, if you started working at 19, if you started working the steps of 19, um, because you have experience in that. And I, I don't think, I don't think the meeting should, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're 26 or 28, you, you can't be in here. No, I don't think that that's that should be. That's I, I don't, I don't. That's not acceptable to me. If I had a young person's emphasis meeting, I would encourage anyone who has experience with being young and in program. That's the way I look at it. And that, that in particular is interesting because I hadn't heard that, that spin on it before. That's an interesting spin that, you know, when your youth starts in program, uh, of course, you become a rock star. Mm, right, right. Generally speaking, people don't come to the rooms until they're in their 30s. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, and also, you know, in OA, uh, I hate to sound like this, but, you know, when you're in, a, you know, you're AA, you know, you're alcoholic, it's, it's like a lot cooler to be, you know, it's like, you know, you know I, I rather say, I'm not going to lie to you, I rather say, yeah, I'm an AA, you know, then I say OA, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you, that's how it is, you know, but the solution is the solution, um, and that's coming out of like a prideful place to say, you know, you know, they come out their ego, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, forget all that. I'm in the solution. I think that's uh, that, that's more important than anything. Yeah. Um, Yvette, what's up, Yvette? What's up, Yvette? Clubbing and everything. You know, yeah. So how, I guess how do you not focus? It's like how do you not focus too much on the solution and focus more on the solution to get them to stay? Well, so you, they don't leave the that's a pretty. You know, the first step talks about one thing. Um, it says pro, it says proven by an immense experience or pr proven beyond doubt by immense experience. Um, and it's talking about, you know, coming to a point of acceptance of your uh, powerlessness, of your complete powerlessness. And it's the only way that you can do that is by having an immense experience. And I know for me, you know, 
I didn't get the 40 years of having that experience. So I had, I still, you know, I jumped in, jumped out, jumped in, jumped out. And I had to play with it. But every time I jumped out, though, every time I thought that, you know, the leash has gotten shorter and shorter. Every time I jumped out there, I could, you know, think I could be smoking a little something with my homies and chilling and, you know, not doing my prayer and meditation, doing my thing. It was just like I hit a wall. Boom. And I experienced pain. And, you know, I don't, the way I look at it today, like my spiritual advisor, you know, pain is not necessarily a bad thing because from pain, you know, you learn lessons and growth comes about. And like that, you know, I had to experience pain. You know, that's the way I experienced pain. But I didn't have to go out there and do 10 years out there in, a, in, in more of the disease. It was more of a thing, couple of weeks, you know, where I wasn't doing my work and they snapped me back. Like, you better do this. So it's like I never strayed off too far. Never strayed off too far. And today it's just like, you know what, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just here. Um, and how would I encourage a younger person to stay? I mean, that's, I, I can't do that. All I can do is all I can do is provide them. All I can do is step them through the solution, and they have to find. As a spiritual advisor, um, my responsibility is simply to step someone through the work. And if they find truth for their life, they find truth. If they don't, then it's not. That's not my responsibility. Um, but I know one thing though. The first step, also in the age twelve and twelve, the first step gives me hope in that by implanting in them the solution or their condition, their bar is risen. So when they do go out there, they won't, it, you can't eat normally anymore. You can't drink normally because now you're thinking, oh, that guy said, you know, they'll eventually stray back. And hopefully it won't take as long for them to finally stick. But that's, that's, my, that's my view on that. I don't know if that answers your question because I was yapping for a long time on that. Do you have a question? It's your turn. Okay, what's your name? Oh, Erica. Erica? How old are you, Erica? Or you've been involved in the program for a while, or? Okay, what's your experience like that with that? Like you being a compulsory reading, do they know or? Yeah, they don't understand the whole thing yet, right. but they know that you got something. Right. right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Any other questions? All right. You sure you don't know what questions? No questions. <laughs> She's like, wrap it up, homie. <laughs> All right, so it's now time for you guys to go ahead and share. Um, we'll have uh, open sharing. We'll have time for three sh come on, three shares. Uh, everybody can share if you want to. There's only, what, four people up in here. Okay, if you have already shared it or whatever, limit your share to three minutes. Stay on topic and sign, in, sign the tape release form after you share. This is the tape release form because this is being recorded. You want to share? Uh, okay. Come on up. Uh, I'm Katie. I'm a compulsive eater. Hi. 
Um, thanks for your share. Appreciate it a lot. It's uh, it's fun to come to a convention and find young people um, doing the deal and working the steps. Um, I've been in program about five years and um, you know struggled like everyone has struggled. Um, my my personal experience is that uh, you know I, I'm a, a drug addict, alcoholic, compulsive eater person, um, and so. You know, and we know this a lot already, but that uh, my experience is this is a whole lot harder than dealing with any drug or alcohol um, recovery process. Um, because as we know, we have to take the tiger out of the cage four times a day, five times, three times, whatever you do. Um, and my experience, you know, I mean, I feel like I, there's nothing I could say that probably any of you don't already know, but my experience is, is the thing that I like to share about these days is um, that this food recovery is a real process thing. And that I think if you're not bouncing in and out, you probably, you haven't really, um, I don't know, you haven't really experienced recovery in the, in the sort of second phase of things. I think sometimes people come in and we get like struck abstinent. And that, that at least happened for me and I've seen it happen to a lot of people and I've had sponsors who have, who have been through that where they come in and they're like, bing, and everything's perfect and there's not a green bean out of place for five years. And then one day, like, you know, the, the Cheetos come back or the cereal comes back or whatever it is. And, and then we have, we enter like what I think of as, and my, some of my people that I turn to, my spiritual advisors, as phase two, where it's like, okay, I've, I've dabbled a little now. I've, I've brought the tiger out of the cage. And now it's like, I'm recognizing the sort of deeper reality of this disease, which is that perfectionism for me lies at the center of it and like if I try to be perfect with my food I'm destined for more pain than I had before I mean perfectionism is absolutely the number one killer for me um, and trying to do this thing perfectly is deadly for me um, because I set myself up for constant disappointment so I'm just really grateful to have like to just be sort of in my new phase of recovery and to know that and to have a gentler sort of approach to the whole thing. My, my step work always has to stay, you know, constant and I, w I don't want to say rigid, but I work my steps rigidly <laughs> because I get crazy quickly. So I need to. Um, but in terms of the food, like I have a food plan. I follow it a day at a time and I call in my, I call my food in in the mornings to my sponsor. Some people don't do that. It helps me stay structured. And when there's something that's like Oh, extra tablespoon of peanut butter because I thought I could. I always tell her. I tell her that night, this is what happened today. I had this, and it was not part of the plan. My intention and my goal tomorrow is to be completely abstinent. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, like, rather than, oh, my God, I had some peanut butter, and it's, I'm a terrible person, and, okay, what step am I on, and what, what's going on in my life, and my mother, it's about my mother, isn't it? And it's like... You know, maybe it's just a little extra peanut butter today. You know, and so I'm just grateful to have a little gentle perspective on it. Cause it's like, and I always tell my sponsors, i got to stay structured every day, a day at a time, around my food. But if that structure goes, if I am human, God forbid, around it, I have to let that be okay. And I have to just continue to stay honest. Like, like rigorous honesty talks about in the book. For me, that's just... That's it, really. If I can be rigorously honest and keep stepping up to the plate a day at a time, then uh, I'm pretty grateful and pretty lucky. So well, I'm glad we're here. I'm sure there's other young people here, I feel like, but maybe they didn't know. Anyway, thanks. <laughs>
Attorney Vet Recovered Not Cured Compulsive Overeater from Georgia. Um, it's good to be here. Um, thank you for your sharing. It kind of was right on point what I thought. Um, one of the things that happened to me is when I came to the program almost 11 years ago is that even though I was so young, I wasn't ready. I'd heard a lot of people talk about they did this diet and they did that diet and they did all these diets, and I realized that Prior to OA, I fantasized about going on diets, but I would never do it. I dreamt about it. So com coming into OA and going on food plans was my diet in OA, and I needed those experiences because when people would get up and share, I really couldn't relate. I was over 200 pounds in high school. You know, I didn't have the children and, you know, and then gain the weight. It's like, no, it's already here. I already had the three suicide attempts before I came into OA. I had already done all this stuff, and when people would brag about, you're so young, you know, it's like, I wasn't going to make it to 40. <laughs> you know, I was going to be dead. I wasn't going to make it that far. Um, but for me, um, seeing other people and just trying to, trying to sometimes not catch them, um, because I know they need to fall before they'll really be able to get this thing. Um, but the one thing is that I, that brings tears to my eyes is people like me who come in and lose the weight and they leave. You know, and then they go out there and for me it is, it was a new birth. Having guys look at you, having men make comments, that was a world, you know, and, and, I, and, I'm very, and I'm very honest now with people about when you lose the weight, you will notice the opposite sex. The opposite sex will notice you. You know, people always come in, lose the weight, get on the food plan, but they don't tell you the other side. They don't tell you about, you know, losing the weight and having to deal with sex and being promiscuous. They don't, you know, they don't really tell the truth, you know, about you going in and there's a whole other world out there. Because I wasn't like the quote-unquote average person at 40 who had been used to being thin all of their life, had the child, and so when they lost the weight, something in their head knew what to go back to. It knew how to act. Okay, I'm just thinner, but I still act normal. And it was like, oh, no, we thin. We're going to act a fool now. You know, we're going to go and get every man, you know, that we never got. And precise to say is that I had a sponsee who came in and lost the weight and got ended up getting a sexual transmitted disease. You know, because no one told her the truth that, you know, once I am given this body, I'm given it for only one reason, and it's to carry the message. I'm not giving it so I can get back at every man who didn't talk to me back when I was bigger or, you know, the, the, the type of man I used to couldn't get, but now I can get it. Um, but to just realize, like it says in the third step, um, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me is thy will. Um, relieve me of the bondage of self. You know, the only reason why is that so I can be bear witness to someone I can help. I remember getting mad because this one person in particular didn't make a comment about the fact that I was thinner. I mean, I'm like, okay, I went from a 24 to a 12. We're talking about almost 100 pounds. And they never made a comment about my weight. And when I looked at it, it said, bear witness to those I would help. You know, I don't get to go on the Jerry Springer show, you know, I was fat, now I'm all that. You know, I don't get to have that. 
And I was kind of mad because I wanted to. The ego in me wanted to just shove it in your face. Um, and today I am I'm humbled to be, you know, 34 years old and in OA almost 11 years and grateful that I didn't go too far because I realized if I had totally left with the relapse, the slips, and everything, not since October 1994 have I ever been at my top rate, ever. I've never seen 250 with all the relapse because I did stay close enough because I knew there was never a time that I could ever do that before coming into these rooms. Um, but I'm just grateful to know that there's other people out there and they're still going at it. And, yeah, I know they're, they're out there, but like the um, book says in the A, you know, but get young people to see it. You know, we just don't want to see it. We want to think like I am the special one. <laughs> you know, I thought I'm the unique one. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to get it down in six months, and I'm out the door. Um, but it's 11 years, almost 11 years later, I'm still here. So, thanks. Hello, I'm Erica from Georgia as well. Um, this is a really emotional convention for me because three months ago, I went to a convention in Florida and um, was in relapse. And it was so funny. I just graduated from graduate school. I had the dream car I wanted. Um, every on the outside, everything like life is good for you, but was riding down the street and praying that I would die um, because I was just so miserable on the inside. And today is 88 days, making today by the grace of God um, of abstinence. And that's a miracle. I, because I had worked the steps to the big book, um, and just didn't want to do God's will. I just didn't want to live my life for a power greater than myself. I wanted to do it Erica's way, um, and it doesn't work. It does not work. Um, but my story is really about a very insecure girl who's just in so much pain and just trying to put on that happy face and pretend like everything is okay and that's really why I've used food. Um, so I guess, you know, just grateful to be given recovery again, realizing the purpose that I have it, you know, like it was shared before, um, to carry the message, to tell others who are in pain, to tell others who don't have a solution what the solution is. Um, so I'm not a big talker, um, but that's really what I would share and I think Living it every day is, you know, really what I need to say. You know, showing up for life every day and living it is the biggest speech I can give today. Um, because I'm very good at talking the talk but not walking the walk when it gets tough. You know, I want to, when, when it gets uncomfortable and it's not what I thought it was going to be, and God, don't you know I worked the steps? And, you know, you were supposed to give me this or give me that. You know, taking those expectations off of it and... Letting life come one day at a time as it does and growing with that. Um, for me, that's growing up. You know, like you shared, it's, that's what growing up is. Um, life on God's terms, whatever it may be. Um, and it's so funny because God often surprises me and it's so much better than I ever expected. You know, when I can look back 10 years ago when I first came in or five years or four years, everything I was given and everything that was taken away, now I want to say thank you, thank you. But back then I couldn't see it. So um, that's what I'm learning to do, to know that God knows what's best, and I don't. And when I seek him and when I try to follow that path, everything is going to be okay no matter what. So thanks.
I'm Bill. I'm a compulsive overreader. And every one of you has more time in the program than I do. I came into the program when I was 48 in July of 2003. And the thing that I find so amazing about, oh, and also, since we're on a roll, South Carolina. <laughs> we got a southern thing going on here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and none of us sound like we're from there, do we? <laughs> um, one of the things I found when I came into program, my top weight was a little bit over 400, and I, I was down as low as about 150 uh, pounds of weight loss. I'm now down as low as 142. Some of them came back, damn them. And But I think I know why. And it's a lot to do with that second phase. I'd never heard it put that way before, but I was trying to figure out what in the hell is going on here, and I think that's part of it, and I think something's going to have to adjust, so God bless you, and thank you for that insight. Um, the Young Persons Focus uh, Committee that I'm involved in, um, one of the things that is so frustrating is when we, we try to make this really attractive for young people to come, and I think one of the most difficult things for young people is that they see their contemporaries out there going out and doing pretty much whatever they want to do with impunity. My own daughters are normies, and uh, my oldest daughter does. One of, the, one of the things she loves to do with one of her friends, Suzanne, if you ever hear this, is uh, grubbing. That's what they call it. They go out grubbing, and they, there's one all-night restaurant, and they just go out and eat themselves silly every now and then. And they do that maybe once a month. Normies can do that. I'd go out there and do it every night. In fact, I used to do that every night. Yes, the drive through window. For me, it was, you can't mention uh, names of companies, but their uh, initials were DW. And you could get uh, the uh, CDs for like 99 cents a piece. And they were great to drive home and eat in the car because when you got home, there was dinner, you know. <laughs> so I got a big kick out of that. Um, the funny thing is, the thing that binds us together, and you're right, there are a lot of young people in this program. They, for some reason, they couldn't be here now. There's a lot of young people in here that really rock that I, that I know pretty well. And it's the strangest thing. It's this mutual thing that we have that binds us together. Um, our worlds are completely different. Our experiences are completely different. But there's this one thing that binds us together. There's this one thing that makes us family. And I've found that other people I know in program have found that I get to the point where, you know, I'd really rather be with program people with it than with anybody else in the world. And sometimes, unfortunately, that includes my own family, and I have to deal with that right now. Um, and the thing about doing this on our own, I don't work the steps as well as I should. I know that. I've got to get real hardcore with the steps, mainly because I've been able to get away with not working the steps that well. I've been fiddle-farting around with my fourth step for the longest time, you know, and, but eventually I will get through that. I found that as I was doing my fourth step, as I was doing my resentment inventory, I was developing resentments, new resentments, as I was doing my resentment inventory, it's like, what the hell is this, you know? So anyhow, that just keeps going and going and going. And, and the, the magic in the program for me, and I think I've sensed this with other people too, and the magic for everybody is different, is the people. A lot of times what we won't do for ourselves, we'll do to somebody else. What we will do for somebody else. Uh, if, uh, the, the keeping in personal contact, um, the, the reaching out to each other. I know that if, if somebody calls and they're having a difficult time and they make a commitment that they're going to, to hold on like for the next hour until we call again, I know that when I tell them I'll be there for them, 
that that makes my program that much stronger because lo and behold, when they're going through that stuff, I'm kind of going through the same thing too, maybe on a lighter scale, and I'm not honest enough to actually reach out and call. But it is the human connection. It is knowing that I could call any one of you and tell you what was going on, and you'd know what I was talking about. And we come from different worlds, from completely different worlds. And that's what binds us together as, you know, as family. And although I'm monotheistic, excuse me for this higher power, in some respects we're children of a lesser God, and I'm really glad for that. I'm really glad for that. I'm really proud to be in this family. I'm so glad that you folks are here today, and thank you for letting me share. talk about God working in unexpected ways and I didn't know I don't know some just to hear just to know like there's some young people going through the same shit like cause it's not a lot I'm sorry <laughs> there's not a lot of young people in my area you know I only know a certain few you know and just to hear like damn it's, it, it does something for me man it's like damn it's all good man it's all good Whew. I needed that boy I needed that major alright um Enough of my uh, softness here. Um, it is now time to close this workshop. Please join me in a moment of sonics, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, thank you for giving service. Oh, that's to me, or, or I don't know who that was to. All right, let's do it. <laughs>